Welcome to the radio program, Why Paul? Bringing and interpreting the doctrine Jesus Christ presented through the Apostle Paul. Your hosts are Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton of 14th Street Ministries. We are here to bring you the answers found in 2 Timothy 2.15 and encourage you to teach and share this program with others. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton. And welcome back, and we welcome everyone uh, today, and we thank you for taking the time out of your summer schedule uh, to join and listen to us today. I'm your host, Michelle Mix. I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I'm your host, David Reed. And um, today, I'll go ahead and open in prayer. Uh, so that we can begin. We're going to learn how to study the Bible today. Um, So I'll open in prayer. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that you open our minds and our understanding and prepare our hearts by the power of your Spirit, that we, we may receive your word with joy and rejoicing. We pray that as we leave tonight, we have we go away with a deeper understanding of who you are and how to hide your word in our hearts. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And Pam, did you um, this week? Did you um, look up some of those stats on our listeners? Yes, I did. Um, we do have the same um, stats coming in. Now, these stats come from the on-demand from Voice America, and they can listen to this online. So, these are what these stats are coming from. We do have um, 75 in the U.S. and some countries that are restricted. um, We're up to 15. Um, Australia, we picked up six people. And in Canada, we have three. Um, and I noticed, um, there was a, there's a lot of new articles and a pastor, um, that started a broadcast on Facebook sharing the gospel and it actually comes from Australia Hmm. and I can't think of his name right now, but, um, there's a very, very large, um, revival going on of seeking the word of God and, um, the truth of the Bible, and he said the salvation in the gospel is is a very sought out um, thing right now in Australia. So I thought that was very interesting yeah. that we see that swing. So we had that pickup from last week. Yeah, and it's nice to know um, when we when we go over the stats and Pam, we appreciate you always uh, checking on that for us. Uh, definitely not to. Um, give us the glory at all. Mm-hmm. It is encouraging, and it's encouraging to us to know that um, the, the work that we're doing, the teaching, um, the spreading of the word is reaching so many people. Mm-hmm. Years ago, even maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to have this uh, way of reaching the entire mm-hmm. world. Um, so that's just really encouraging to hear when, especially new countries that are starting to uh, listen to us, mm-hmm. even on demand and then in our Facebook Live. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is, um, as believers, um, we have a big responsibility and it's extremely serious. 
the the business that we're in as um, ambassadors for Christ, and we should not take it lightly. We should be very serious about it. And and sometimes I think about um, uh, the bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, when he's talking about the gold and the silver and the precious stones. I think of the gold as our Lord Jesus Christ, and I think of the silver as the word of God rightly divided. And then I think of the stones as the souls of the of mankind. But I think that our business is serious business, and it should never be taken lightly. All right, good words. Um, now uh, this week we um, uh, we have some questions, Pam. Yes, um, this is a question that we had last week, and we did discuss that we were going to cover this in depth. Um, with this program. Um, the question is, it says, hello, I listen to your program most weeks and I am encouraged to study the word of God and rightly divide the word. I do understand this well, but are you able to give me some guidance on how? Where do I start? What resources can I use or what do you recommend? And how do you know what books to relate with other books? Good question. So let's jump in. And um, so just as, as context here, what Michael says about how important the judgment seat of Christ is, it, it, it clearly is. And in order for the judgment seat of Christ to be something where we are rewarded, obviously we need to be very thoughtful and purposeful in our Christian life. And we need to be sure that we're doing what God would have us to do. For that reason, it's important that we know how to study the Bible. The Bible tells us what God would have us to do. So if we're going to do his will, then we have to be able to figure out what it is. So we have to study the Bible properly. Let's start in 2 Timothy 2.15. And <clears throat> 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The way that that verse is phrased, it's a command. Study. So this is a command that is given. And if you notice, it doesn't say study if you're a preacher. It doesn't say study if you hold a church office. But that duty to study applies to every individual because it says a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Every believer should be a workman. In other words, the duty to study, sometimes people think, well, yeah, the preachers need to do that. The pastors, that's their responsibility. It's beyond that. Every saint, every member of the body of Christ has a duty to study. Now, it says, study to show thyself approved a workman. The act of study is work. The reason I say that, I think a lot of people have the idea, well, why don't I just open my Bible, put my finger down on a verse, and that's what's for me, right? God, just audibly tell me what you want me to do. We like shortcuts, don't we? We like things that, you know, are really simple and quick. Well, study takes time. I mean, think about, you know, think about when you were in school as a child. With some of the subjects, did it take time to study? Yes, it didn't take two minutes. It required reading and review and analysis and comparison. And so every believer needs to be engaged 
with the Word of God in that way. Look with me at Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. Acts 17, verses 10 and 11. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Well, why were they more noble? In that they received the word with all readiness of mind, so they were willing to believe it, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So what the Bible describes as noble is not simply receiving the word of God. That's, that's a necessary first step. But what do we then need to do? We need to search the scriptures, and how often? Daily, whether those things were so. So we appreciate everyone that tunes into this broadcast. We value, you know, we're appreciative of the fact that you would spend time with us. But what you need to do is not simply listen to what is said on this program. You need to then study. You need to validate. You need to confirm that what we're teaching is accurate because, you know, we can make mistakes. I mean, we could, for all you know, we could be lying to you. Now, I, I trust we're not, but could we be wrong? Sure, we could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So how do you safely confirm that it's right? Well, you search the scriptures daily to see if scripture lines up with what we're saying. Look with me at Colossians 3, verse 10. Colossians 3, verse 10. Now, the first thing we noticed is that the duty to study applies to everyone. Now, what I want you to notice is this, Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Our new man, our, our inner man that has been renewed in Christ, that's been regenerated. What we are told in Colossians 3.10 is that the new man is renewed in knowledge. In other words, what is the fuel that the inward man runs on? It's knowledge. And that's not knowledge Mm -hmm. of, you know, knowledge of, I don't know, baseball batting averages. That's knowledge of the word of God. Think of it this way. If you want your body to work properly, what do you have to do? You have to give it the proper fuel. If you want your car to work properly, you have to give it the proper energy source. Well, how does your new man work? Your new man is renewed in knowledge. It doesn't say experience. It doesn't say emotion. It says knowledge. It means your new man is going to be strengthened on the basis of the word of God. People sometimes have the idea that their spiritual life can function where uh, what I just need to do is I just need to pray and have experiences with God and have an emotional connection. God speaks to us through his word. If we are not in his word, we're not hearing what he is saying to us. So it's critically important that we be renewed in knowledge. Michelle, if you could read Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Okay. And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah came down to the king of Israel. I must have told you the wrong thing. Okay. So I'm going to look at Colossians chapter two. Oh, you want and me in Colossians? Yes. It's, okay. All right. Well, I'm so let's here. try that. Okay. I went by your the first one here. Okay. Give me one second. 
Colossians uh, 1, 1 and 2. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, please. All right. For I would... For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ." Now, Colossians 2 tells us about knowledge. Is it, it talks about the full assurance of understanding. Have you ever been in a situation where you were supposed to know something, but you didn't, and so you sort of pretended like you did, or you bluffed your way through because mm-hmm. you knew you were supposed to know, but you didn't really actually understand? Well, that's not a feeling of comfort because you know inwardly, I don't really understand what's going on. What Colossians 2 tells us is that through the Word of God, we can have the full assurance of understanding, meaning our Christian life doesn't have to be one of doubt or fear or uncertainty, but we can have the full assurance of understanding, which only comes from understanding, which means that we have to be in the Word of God. So I'll say one more thing about study uh, before I move to the next section, and that's this. There's a lot of life where you can be dependent on other people. I really can't fix my refrigerator or my washing machine. I can't do much with my car. I simply don't have the ability to, to fix it. I just don't know enough about it. So what happens is I find someone who does and I pay them and they do it for me. And, you know, I'd love to do it myself, but the fact of the matter is my knowledge is limited and so I can't do everything. But there's an area in life where you can't delegate it to someone else to do it for you. Maybe you don't know how to fix your washing machine. Maybe you don't know how to fix your computer. Maybe you need help in those areas. But you can't delegate your duty to study the Bible. And the simple reason why you can't is when you show up at the judgment seat of Christ and you have to give an account for your life, are you going to say, well, yeah, Lord, I, I didn't really do the things you wanted me to do, but it's not my fault. This preacher told me the wrong thing. Well, you don't, you don't want to be in that situation. And that excuse isn't going to work because God gave you the Bible. It's available to you in your hands. So you're not going to be able to say, hey, Lord, it's not my fault. You know, I was listening to Michael on 14th Street and he told me something crazy and I listened to him and, you know, blame him, not me. That's mm-hmm. not going to work. That's not going to work at all because the word of God is available to us, which means that we need to be studying it because we're going to have to give account. So I'm going to suggest to you that there are two keys, two important principles to Bible study. And the first one is this. Come to the Bible with a heart attitude of faith. In other words, don't come to the Bible having already decided what you want to believe. A lot of times do people come to the Bible and they want to find a verse that confirms what they already think. In other words, Mm -hmm. I know what the right answer is. I just got to go find a verse that proves what I wanted to say. Well, that's not the right way to do Bible study. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick. That means it's living. It's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and ma- joints and marrow 
and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, what that verse actually says is that the Word of God is alive. The Bible is the only book on earth that reads you as you read it. Yeah, true. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In other words, it lays bare your motives. Look with me at verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Well, you, you, you realize this, but what would happen if, you know, I don't know, let's just say you were sleepwalking and you, you found yourself naked and then you, you realized it. What would you do? you would be embarrassed. You would think, well, I, I got to hide myself and cover myself because I'm, I'm naked, right? That's the natural human reaction. What Hebrews 4.13 says is that the word of God is so perceptive. It's so discerning of the thoughts and intents of the heart that it is, our soul is essentially naked before God's word. It exposes mm-hmm. us. I would suggest this to you. The reason people don't read God's word is because the word reads them, right? In other words, they realize that they are interacting with a supernatural book, and that's why the Bible is the most published book on earth, but for being the most published, it is little read, and that's because it's a living book that discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart. Now, here's why this matters. When it says that it discerns the thoughts and intents of of our heart, that means God understands our motivations. And I'm going to amplify that. Get 1 Kings 22, verse 3. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in uh, in 1 Kings 22. And so, um, Michael, if you could read verse 3. And the king of Israel said unto his servant, Know ye that Ramoth, and Gilead is ours, and we be still and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria, the king of Israel. And so okay. this right here tells us that the, the king of Israel in, in this chapter, in First Kings 22, is Ahab. And what he's doing here is he clearly wants to go conquer Ramoth and Gilead. That's his plan. So that's sort of the setting for what follows. Now, Pam, could you read verses 4, 5, and 6? Okay. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Wilt thou go with me to the battle of Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, in the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, and four hundred men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramathilgilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. So what's going on here is the the king is asking, should I go up to battle or should I not? And let's go ahead and read verse 7, Michelle. Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? 
So what just happened is in verses four, five, and six, the prophets are gathered together. There's 400 of them. The king says, should I go to battle? And then in verse seven, it becomes clear that those 400 prophets in the prior verses are not prophets of the Lord. They're false prophets. Mm -hmm. In verse six, what they say to him is, go up for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. In other words, the false prophets say, go ahead, king, go to battle, go for it. Mm -hmm. But Jehoshaphat says, well, hey, before we listen to these 400 obviously false prophets, because they're not prophets of the Lord. Could we hear from a prophet of the Lord? Michael, could you read verse 8? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Emilah, <laughs> by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. So here's what happens. In verse seven, Jehoshaphat says, is there a prophet of the Lord? Because, you know, why should we listen to the false prophets? That seems like a really bad decision. And what the king of Israel says, well, yeah, there's one, but I don't like him. What's the reason he doesn't like him? Well, he prophesies evil concerning me. Not good. I didn't say that the, the, the prophet lied. It said that he didn't like what the answer was. You see the point? In other words, the prophet was telling the truth, but the king didn't like it. So that's why 400 false prophets instead. Let's look at verses. Uh, Michelle, could you help with verses 9 and then 12 and 13? Okay. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And you said 12 and 13? Yep. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it unto the king's hand. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of them, of one of them, and speak that which is good. So they decide to go get the prophet of the Lord in verse 9, even though the king doesn't like him, right? In other words, he prophesies bad things about me. I don't really like him, but fine, if you want him, we'll go get him. So they send the messenger to pick him up. And what does the messenger do? The messenger says, look. 400 prophets, now they're false ones, but 400 prophets have already told the king to do this. Now, look, Micaiah, you don't want to be a troublemaker, do you? You don't want to cause problems. Just agree with what the 400 guys just said, okay? Don't cause problems. You don't have to have a different opinion. Just go along. Don't make waves. That's what the messenger says to Micaiah. Pam, can you reverse 14? And Micaiah said, as the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that, uh, that will I speak. So Micaiah says, look, I'm not trying to cause problems. I'm just going to say what the Lord says. Whatever the Lord tells me to say, that's what, I, what I'm going to say. In other words, I'm not necessarily going to go along with this plan. Mm -hmm. Verse 15. And I'll finish that. And he said unto him, Micaiah, 
Shall we go against Ramagilith to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, this is interesting. What Micaiah says there is he says exactly what the false prophets go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. But if you notice verse 16, let's go ahead and read that. Michelle, read verse 16, if you would. And the king said unto him, how many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? Here's what's going on. In verse 15, what Micaiah says is sarcastic, and his tone is plainly sarcastic, as you can tell from the king's response. So what Micaiah essentially does, he's been told before, just agree with the 400 prophets. Mm-hmm. And so he shows up and says, yeah, king, yeah, totally great idea, king, so great idea. Just go right on up there. It'll be awesome. And he says it in a sarcastic way is what he does. And the king responds to that and saying, wait, look, I've no, give me a serious answer. Micaiah realizes they don't really want a serious answer because the messenger that came to him didn't say, when I bring you back, tell the king the exact truth that God's give you, gives to you. He says, just go along with what these other guys said. So, and, and by the way, let me just make this point. If King Ahab had really wanted to hear from the Lord, would he have consulted the 400 false prophets first? Mm-mm. I mean, what a waste of time. If you want to hear from the word of the Lord, do you say, well, before we do that, let's first get the opinion of 400 false prophets. Well, that's obviously you don't really care about the word of the Lord or you wouldn't have done that. Pam, can you read 17 and 18? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep. Have they not a shepherd? And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return every man to the house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me, but evil? So in verse 16, I adjure thee, only tell me the truth. Don't give me sarcastic answers. Micaiah says, Okay, you, you want me to tell you the word of the Lord? Well, what I, do, what I see is I see Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. In other words, king, you know what's going to happen. You're going to be defeated, and Israel's going to be scattered. And then what does Ahab say? I knew it. I knew he was going to prophesy something I didn't like. That's why I didn't go to him in the first place. Now, what are you seeing here? What you're seeing here is the king's attitude toward the word of the Lord is, I don't really want the truth, or more let me put it this way, I absolutely want the truth, as long as it agrees with what I already think. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me the word of God if it disagrees with me, because then I won't like that, which, which indicates that the real issue is the king has already decided in his mind what he wants to do, and he's not looking to the Lord for direction. He's looking for the Lord 
to bless what he has already decided to do. Mm-hmm. What, what you're seeing here is you're seeing man's heart attitude toward the word of God. What man frequently wants is they don't go to the word of God for direction. They don't go to the word of God for instruction. They want the word of God to confirm what they already believe. That's what you see very clearly with King Ahab in 1 Kings 22. And in 1 Kings 22, 18, the king gets angry. And the reason he gets angry is the word of God doesn't line up with his beliefs. Isn't right. that how people are? Mm-hmm. You know, the word of God should conform to what they think rather than them change their thinking to match the word of God. True. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, if you could help us with 19 through 23. And he said... Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one of one said unto this manner and another said on this other on that manner. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all, all his prophets. And he said, thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. You say 23 also? Yes. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all those thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning concerning thee. Now, what happens there is the Lord actually puts a lying spirit in the mouth of all of those prophets to answer the king according to the way that the king wanted to be answered. In other words, let me tell you what's going on there. The king has it in his mind what he wants to do. He's not consulting the word of the Lord because he's not really interested in what the Lord wants to do. And God responds to the king's all the king already having decided what he wants to do by putting a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. And then what happens is the king hears those lies and the king says, "Aha." confirmation. This is exactly what I thought, exactly what I wanted to do, and now I have proof. But is it really proof? It's not really proof. It's God putting a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets to confirm the king in his evil heart that he had already decided as to what to do. Mm -hmm. Now, my point in, in, in telling you all that is, We need to have hearts that are soft toward God so that we're not in a position where we are confirmed in our evil beliefs. Look with me, if you would. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14. And Michael, if you could read verses 3 and 4 and 5. Son of man. These men have set up their idols in their hearts and put the stumbling block 
of their iniquities before their face, should I be inquired of, inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak unto them, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that sitteth up his idol, setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquities before his face, and cometh to the prophets, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitudes of his idols. You say five also? Yes. That I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. So notice what Israel does here. They come to inquire of the Lord. But before they come to inquire of the Lord, they've already set up idols in their heart. Well, how does God feel about idolatry? Does he like idolatry? Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't like idolatry. So before people go to inquire of the Lord, they've already set up idols in their hearts. And what does the Lord say about that? I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart. Do you understand what that's saying? I mean, what that's saying is that when the when someone comes to God with the idol already set up in their heart, they are in danger of God answering them according to the idol that they've already set up. So they think they're getting the counsel of the Lord, but they're being answered according to the idol that's already in their heart which means the only safe way to go inquire of the Lord is you have to come with an attitude of submission, of Mm -hmm. humility, of openness, of honesty, of authenticity to the word of God. In other words, if I decide in my heart what I want the answer to be, if I have already made up my mind and I then go to the word of God, I will find things that confirm my mistaken belief because God answers people according to the idols of their heart. And so what we need to do is we need to come to the Bible with the heart attitude of God. I want your truth. I want what your word has to say, not my own opinion, because if you come with your own opinion, you'll be answered according to the idols of your heart. So the first principle is that when we come to the word of God, we need to come to the word of God with the heart attitude of God teach me, not my opinion, not my preference, not the traditions of men, but what your word says. That heart attitude is absolutely critical. Now, there's a second principle we're going to look at, but I think we're going to do a a little break first. Um, So we'll we'll do that on the other side of the break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a good point because it is our, our heart attitude and our perspective. And a lot of times people do have an idea and they say, well, I think the Lord thinks this way. And they go search through scripture to back up what they think or to back up their idea mm-hmm. and take scripture completely out of contents in all areas. So then they wouldn't be... Uh, 
putting it into context, reading the verses around it. They're picking one maybe short verse that, you know, can be interpreted different. So it's totally taken it out of what the verse was in there to really mean. Mm-hmm. Well, they have, a, they have a belief. They believe what they believe, but they won't go check it out. They'll just believe what they believe because it's tradition or whatever. Because all right. these other people believe it, they think it's true. Their beliefs or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So, and and that the um, so far what we have learned about studying um, the word word of God, how to study, um, you know, that really stood out to me is uh, the phrase you said. Um, it reads you. Let's say you said reads you. As you, as you read oh, it. As you read it. Yes. I wanted to make sure I quoted that right. But uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and because, you know, the Holy Spirit can see in, in us so mm-hmm. and knows what we're reading and what we need to hear. Because I think sometimes, you know, we can, we can today we're listening to this and something different um, goes to me uh, than what it reads to somebody else. Because... He knows what my heart is, and he knows what I need to hear for that moment. And we're going to finish out this when we come back right after break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time, or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 
That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Michael R. Mix at 14thStreetMinistries.com. Now back to Why Paul. And welcome back uh, from this break. I'm your host, Michelle Mix. I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I'm your host, David Reed. Okay. And so we're finishing up with how to study uh, the Word of God. So let's jump in there. We got a question over the break that I thought I would uh, deal with briefly before we move on to the next point. And the question was, when we were, we were in 1 Kings 22, and God puts a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. And so a listener asks, well, how can a holy God do that? I mean, God doesn't sin, so how can he, he do that? Well, notice what 1 Kings 22 verse 20 said. 1 Kings twenty two twenty, And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another said on that matter. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. So a spirit is volunteering saying, hey, I've got the solution. Verse 22, and the Lord said unto him, wherewith? How are you going to do this? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Now, the, the mm-hmm. spirit that said that, do you think that was an elect angel or do you think it was a fallen angel? Well, it's a, it, it's a fallen angel, fallen. right? Mm-hmm. It's a fallen angel that's going to go be a lying spirit because obviously the, you know, an elect angel isn't going to sin, right? Oh. Um, uh, to give you any – so what's going on there is there are fallen angels. There are devils that are happy to do the Lord's work here, right? In other words, they volunteer – to go and be a lying spirit. I'll give you another example of that. When, when Satan rebelled at the beginning of time, could God have destroyed him at that moment, or did God have to wait for a long time? Well, God could have destroyed him at that moment. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he? I mean, wouldn't the universe be a better place if Satan wasn't around to cause all this trouble? Well, look with me at Revelation chapter 20. I want to show you a little, for instance, Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. During the Lord's earthly ministry, Satan is bound a thousand years. And it's so that he won't deceive the nations. You can read that in Revelation 20, verse 3. But what happens at the end of the thousand years? Look at verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Well, God, what would you do that for? I mean, don't you know that Satan's going to cause trouble? I mean, why would you let him out of the prison? Verse 8. And shall go out to deceive the nations. Well, of course, God, why didn't, you know, you had to know he was going to do this. He's a liar. And you know that better than anyone. What's going on here? Read verse 8. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is, is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. So they encircled the camp of the saints in the beloved city, that's Jerusalem, 
And obviously what they're doing is they're encircling Jerusalem to kill the Lord Jesus Christ, who is reigning on a throne in Jerusalem at that time. So Satan gathers the nations of the earth to go kill him. What happens in verse 9? And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. God destroyed them. What's going on there? Here's what's going on. During the thousand-year period, when Jesus Christ reigns with a rod of iron, the government on earth is perfect. There's a ruler who is sinless. He's righteous. He's holy. Every decision he makes is proper. Does mankind like it? And I'm going to suggest to you, most of them don't. And the proof that most of them don't is that when Satan is loosed for what Scripture calls a little season, in other words, not very long, what does the vast majority of mankind do? They follow him in his rebellion, and they want to go up to Jerusalem to kill the righteous king. Here's what happened. God allowed Satan to be loosed, knowing full well what Satan would do. And God is using Satan to reveal what God already knew was the case. In other words, during the, during the Lord's millennium, his, his earthly reign, where he rules with a rod of iron, people don't openly cross him because they fear punishment. But does God know that in their heart, rebels, that they hate his rule? Right. He does. Mm-hmm. And he uses Satan in Satan's wickedness and deception and evil for the purpose of revealing it. That's why God allows devils to continue to exist. That's why he didn't send them to hell immediately. It's because they're part of his purpose unfolding. Not that God sins, but in their evil behavior, they reveal the hearts of men. They reveal how men wish to behave. And they had to sin nature too, right? Yes, that's right. So that's how God can use lying spirits, and God himself doesn't sin, but those lying spirits choose to behave that way. Now, we looked at the first principle, which is we need to come to the Bible with hearts, attitudes of faith. The second principle is this. The Bible is organized like a puzzle where you have to fit the pieces together. What do I mean by this? We're all familiar with an encyclopedia. So what if you want to learn about Abraham Lincoln, or you want to learn about George Washington, or you want to learn about the Apollo project that went to the moon? You can get an encyclopedia or a Wikipedia, and you can read that entry, which has all the information that's relevant on that subject in the same place. If you read the article on Lincoln, it'll tell you everything about Lincoln. You read the article about George Washington, it tells you about George Washington. The Bible is not designed that way. The Bible has a little bit here and a little bit there. So let's see this. Pam, can you read Isaiah 28, verses 9 and 10? Okay. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and are drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, and precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So verse 9 asks the question, whom shall he teach knowledge? 
and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? In other words, who's going to learn? Well, they have to be weaned from the milk, but then how are they taught? Verse 10 says, precept upon precept, line upon line, and then importantly, it says here a little and there a little. The Bible is designed so that there are cross-references. So, for example, let's do a simple example. If I want to understand something about the rapture, the catching up of the body of Christ, well, I can read about it in 1 Corinthians 15, and I can learn some things. But that's not the only place it talks about the rapture. It's also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So, if I'm really going to study the doctrine of the rapture, I'm going to have to use here a little and there a little. I'm going to have to look at multiple different passages. And there's lots of subjects that are that way. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2:13, 1 Corinthians 2:13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So the Holy Ghost teaches us. Notice what it says comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So let's say you read a verse and you don't understand what the verse means because it's confusing, it's not clear. Well, the Lord says in the book of John that the scriptures cannot be broken. We've been told that it's here a little and there a little. We saw in 1 Corinthians 2 that it's comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What that means is when we read something that we don't understand, we need to find the relevant cross-references. So I'll tell you the simplest way to do that. Let's say that I'm doing a study on the topic grace, and I want to understand what grace is. Well, I can read about grace in Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. Very helpful verse. But are there other verses about grace? There are. So what I should do is I should use, either get a concordance, which is a book where I can look up the word grace and it'll tell me every verse that has grace in it, or I can use a Bible search program and I type in the word grace and it will give me every verse in which the word grace appears. And then if I read those verses and mm-hmm. compare them one with another, I'll understand what the scriptures as a whole say about grace. Paul said in the book of Acts that he shunned not to declare unto them the whole counsel of God. In other words, it was important to study the entire book. So let me wrap up how to study by simply by saying this. The keys, the key to Bible study is everyone has a duty to study. It's how our inward man is renewed in knowledge. And to study it the proper way, we come to the book with a heart attitude of belief, and then we search the scriptures daily to find the cross-references that explain each other. And we just continue to do that. Now, that (laughs) involves work right? That's why Second Timothy 2.15 said, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. We're going to have to put in the work to do that. So I hope that you'll do that. I hope that what you'll do with this program is not believe anything that I said, but you study it for yourself and see if that's true, if it's true or not. So let me mention the gospel briefly, and then um, we'll get ready to close. It's important to study the Bible. It's critically important, but it's absolutely essential to be saved. And, and the way that you're saved is Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. Our sin debt was paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross, and we get saved by faith in his blood, not our works, 
but his blood as the full sufficient payment. And we get that the moment we trust what he did for us. It's that simple. So mm-hmm. I'll pause there. And anyone might want to share some remarks? Maybe some uh, ground rules before you start studying. Um, shouldn't you set some ground rules that that you stand on, like what um, uh, what what Bible maybe you should use, or what translation should you use? Or um, that's a, that's a good subject that we should take up. Not all Bibles say the same thing, and we should dig into that at some point. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's a, there's a lot of um, we have access to a lot of Bible apps and um, all those Bible apps. Most of them have a cross reference. Um, they have concordance on them right at the tip of your fingers on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, you can do a word study. Um, there's a new version that has Bible plans on there. You can put, put in King James Version, go in and do the comparison on the verses. Um, If you just want to study uh, theological or any doctrine, those are on there as well. So right at the tip of your finger, I mean, you can go on break at lunch and and scroll through the Bible. Yeah, with the internet. You have to start. Yeah, with the internet, it makes it easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's easier than it's ever been. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. The Bible is essentially free today. Yeah. And so that's a, a good challenge, um, homework that we give out to all of our listeners uh, and uh, all of our Facebook live listeners, uh, because you can give us, um, you know, put in chat, leave us messages on Facebook um, live and in our Facebook um, with um, how how you do with taking these um, these study studies um, tips comparing those and let us know um we'd love to hear what you what uh how god speaks to you um when you do your comparison comparison and um your studying uh so definitely uh reach out to us um send us a message uh you can email us at um uh, michael r mix at 14 street ministries uh leave a message for us on uh, facebook and um let us know how uh, your studying goes, and we'd love to hear what you, what God speaks to you and brings to you. And thank you for joining us this week, and we look forward to getting back into Ephesians, and I think we're going from five to six maybe next week, uh, so I hope everybody joins us. And have a great week, everyone. been listening to Why Paul. Visit us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com and please join Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more thoughts and wisdom. Also, be sure to tell everyone about our program. Yeah.